Yes, everybody, I would like to welcome you to, I believe it is, radio show number 19. And I would like to uh, thank everybody for tuning in last week to, actually, it was just a couple of days ago, Q&A with Roger and Jay. If you have not seen those episodes, um, check those out on the YouTube channel. And the plans going forward for the uh, Saturday Night Bible Study, we uh, took a week off because it was my parents' 50th anniversary. And so um, congratulations again to them. And uh, and previously we did three, three uh, hour-long studies on the rapture and its aftermath. And so uh, those are on the YouTube channel as well. And what we're going to do next week, and probably the following week, may at least a couple weeks probably, is going to we're going to deal with the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, starting in Second Thessalonians two eight, and then dealing with those verses there, and then we'll probably sprawl off into the other uh, antichrist scriptures and go through that person, and then after that, uh, long awaited, we have been uh, done with Romans. Well, I like to go through books on. Saturday evening Bible studies, and we went through John. It took us a couple years to go through the Gospel of John, and then we went through Romans, and it took us another year and a half, and we finished up Romans uh, a couple months ago now. And so we're our our goal uh, after a couple weeks of the Man of Lawlessness is the Gospel of Luke is our next uh, Saturday night Bible study. So join us for that. Um, also, and it's even possible, I'm not saying I'm committed to it yet, but it's even possible we actually might be live streaming a few of those in the future. I've figured out how to do that. <laughs> it takes me a while to figure about anything out technologically, but I'm figuring things out. And so it's possible, not yet. Usually I'll record it and post it the same evening or the next day, um, because it's just an audio file. That's what we do, um. But there's a possibility we might actually live stream a few of those in the near future. And so that'll be a couple weeks away. We'll do the Gospel of Luke, and then we'll be in that for probably a long time, but we'll also mix in some other things. We actually might even do like a uh, three out of, the, out of four weeks in a month, might do three Luke, and then maybe do one of the Pauline epistles like Colossians or something, Ephesians, uh, just once a month to kind of balance that out. So that's the plan going forward, and uh, I'll keep doing radio shows periodically. I, I like to do them, if possible, when I am uh, working, and I use a uh, like the Q and A's with Roger and Jay. I actually do record those while I'm actually mowing. I have a headset with a noise canceling microphone on there, and it's not, of course, nothing I do is professional quality because I use my phone. I don't have a studio or a micro professional microphone or anything like that. I just record. What we do, and it's most of the Bible studies are fine because there's no noise, but the radio shows, a lot of times I'll do them in the truck without the noise, but sometimes I will do these with, uh, with some noise, you know, coming and going in the background because I'm actually cutting grass while I do these. Okay. Well, today's issue that I like to deal with is the comparison between natural sin and willful sin. 
Um, and I like to deal with that in a couple of different ways. Um, and we're going to deal with it in a general way where that is to say uh, how every single human being, um, we're dealing with every single human being, then we'll deal with next, secondly, uh, Christians in, in the same issue. So natural sin, of course, we're all, biblically, we're all born in sin. That is to say, Romans 5 is where, you, where that gets fleshed out the most. Um, but it's all over the place. And, and that is to say that we are born with a nature that is sinful. And not only that, but we are also held accountable for the sin of Adam, the one sin that fell the hum- or that, that uh, caused the human race to fall into sin and the whole creation with it was um, one sin of Adam. And first off, quickly, a little aside, that shows you that God's requirement for being right with him is moral and spiritual perfection. It wasn't two, three, four, or five sins that caused the human race to fall. It was one sin. One act of disobedience caused the fall. And But we are, held, we are all held accountable for his one sin. And so, um, and, and a lot of times the first reaction to just about anybody, including myself, is, well, how can that be fair? Uh, how can I be held accountable for something somebody else did? And uh, my two immediate responses to that is, a couple things, is if you would have been there, you would have done the same thing. Otherwise, the perfect and holy God who cannot sin can do nothing that's unjust would not be able to impute that guilt to you or to anybody. To you know, If there was a person out there who would have made a better, different decision and not caused the human race to fall into sin, then God could not righteously impute that guilt to that person. Um, and so that's, that's usually the argument I'll, I'll use right off the bat, but also I, what we're going to get to here is as soon as you realize the sin that you're born in, the last thing that you do is is you uh, uh, you're not turned off by it, or you're not you don't hate it. You love the sin that you're born in. We all do. So that is, again, to me, is absolute the universal uh, love of the sin that we're born in is just more evidence that. That the 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 the, the uh, uh, sorry, my brain is uh, boggled. The uh, the evidence that it's a it's a just thing that we are imputed his guilt. That's just the way God decides to do it, and, and what God does is better than anything that we could think of. And so, a lot of times we will get um, from on a human level, we will. Uh, want to challenge things that he does and think, think that we actually have a better way than he does, and that is, of course, insane. And so, but the Bible's clear. We all are born in a condition that our nature is bent, not only bent, but it's, it's desirous of sin. 
And so, but that that's natural sin. Of course, the biggest evidence of natural sin is the fact that babies die. Because the wages, the only reason anybody ever physically dies is sin. And so the fact that babies die, and they die every day, of course, abortion and anything, they die before they're even born, is because we are born with a nature that is sinful. And so... And so, but, so we, we are all born that way, and then, and then we come to a condition. I, a lot of people talk about what is the age of accountability that you become aware of your sin and you become morally accountable for your sin. Because obviously we know one-year-olds, two-year-olds sin. They act insane. They call it the terrible twos for a reason. It's because they're, they've got, they're manifesting that sinful nature that they're born in even before they're even aware that they, own, they even exist. Yet, yet, when we all reach a condition of accountability or a condition of awareness of our sinfulness, which I don't, like I said, I don't think there's a, a particular number that's a universal number. I think it's a condi- different condition for each person. And there are people who don't ever reach that. Mentally handicapped or people who have, uh, you know, mental brain disorders that, that their whole life they don't even uh, are not aware of what they're doing. But most people, obviously, do reach a condition where you become aware of your sinfulness, of your uh, wickedness, and the universal reaction to the awareness of that of that sin nature is not, like we just talked about a minute ago, is not to repent of it or to turn from it or to flee from it. The proper response would be, when you realize your sinful nature would be to confess, repent, and seek a Savior, which is the, that would be the saving response. And that is the saving response. So what happens to everybody is we all suppress that truth that God gives us in general revelation in the, the creation and the conscience that God gives to everybody. We suppress that truth when we become aware of the reality of God and the reality of that He's powerful through His creation. General revelation is basically two things, that through the creation we understand that God exists. Romans 1 is clear that every single person who comes to this condition of accountability realizes that God exists. And not only that, we the conscience that He gives us inwardly testifies to us that God exists. You know, not only that God exists, the creation testifies not only that God exists, but also that He's powerful. The conscience testifies not only that God exists, but that He's also a moral God. And He's a judging God. And that's what we flee from. We flee from Him. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness because we love our sin. We suppress the truth of general revelation of God. That's what we all do. And so that point when you go from being a natural sinner, that is to say you're born in it, and then you get old enough and mature enough to where you are aware of it, your immediate response is every time, and that's all of us, including me, including everybody who's ever gotten saved, is at at that point in their life, the first reaction was to rebel against God. And that's that's a willful rebellion. You know, I've heard it said, and it's true that nobody no although we're born and we're held accountable 
for Adam's sin. Nobody will ever be thrown into hell for Adam's sin, but you'll be thrown into hell for your own willful personal sin. So you, John 8, 24, Jesus says, Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Your, as in personal, not Adam's, sins as in plural. And so you will die in your sins. And so although you're born in sin and you're held accountable for that sin, what, what eventually gets you judged is that you're, is your, your affirmation of the sin that you're born in, which is the universe that everybody does the same thing. And that's why I'm a Calvin. That's why I believe that God has to overcome that, that love for sin and the hatred of himself in an effectual call. But I'm not going to go down that road in this show. I've, got enough, I've done that enough. If you listen to anything that I've ever done, you know that I'm a Calvin. But I'm not going to deal with that issue here. So, so the different, that natural sin, you, you go, you're born in it, and then you come to a condition. Um, and again, it's different for everybody, the age that is. I, my ballpark guess, and this is just a ballpark guess, is probably 8, 9, 10-ish would be. And again, that's not anything that I would, I would say I have any real, and there's no biblical precedent for that, but there's, I'm just saying that just seems like a condition where, and based on, on my personal experience, it's about when I began to realize that I was doing bad things. But again, that's not anything to judge anybody else on it. It's a, it's a condition that you come to. You come to a point where you realize that you are sinning and doing wrong things, and you don't respond in the proper way, which is to humble yourself and to, and to ask God for forgiveness and seek a Savior. You actually do the opposite, express that truth God gives you, and you flee into sin because of the love of it. And then you come, and you come to the, and that's when you come to the point where you are a willful sinner, not a natural sinner. The willful sins will be the will be the ones that you will be judged for if you do not get saved. And so that is on a on a broad level, the difference between natural sin and willful sin is that threshold where you go from not being self-aware to where you engage with general revelation God gives everybody of Romans one. And you do what everybody does do in Romans 1, and then it's suppress the truth because you love the sin you're born in. And then you become a willful sinner and held accountable. And then you need to be forgiven of your sins, which is only happens by humbling yourself and believing in Jesus Christ. Believing in who he is, God the God-man, and trusting in what he did, his perfect life and his death on the cross for sin. And a quick side note real quick, um, an issue that kind of springs out of this is I, I do believe, I'm not gonna do, I've done other shows and writings that deal with this, whether, you know, a lot of people ask about what about babies? What about people who die before they reach that condition where they willfully sin? And that's it's kind of the whole argument to me just justifies my belief. There's not a whole lot of biblical uh, testimony about Either way, about whether God judges, uh, you, you know, would condemn, or whether He would show automatic grace to people who babies or infants who die before they become accountable. And my my belief has always been, you know, to err on the side of the grace and kind mercy of God. And I can't, I can't, I've always said I can't imagine God throwing somebody into 
or having somebody go to the uh, lake of fire and they wouldn't even know why they were there, which is what would be the case with anybody who died before they got to the condition where they were even aware of themselves. Um, the only biblical testimony that, that I would find for supporting that view would be when David, uh, part of the punishment for his sin with Bathsheba was the baby that died and he said that he would one day go to him. So, to, you know, he would be where the baby is. And so that shows me the likelihood that infants and people who never reach an age or condition of accountability where they can be, where they can willfully sin against God are shown grace. And that somehow in the cross of Christ, he covers their natural sin and doesn't have any um, willful sins to cover for those people. So that's just a little side issue. There are actually people who I, I have a lot of respect for in a lot of their doctrine, but would would say that they believe babies are sent to hell. Is you know that sounds that just even saying that sentence sounds uh, that's tough. I don't I don't I can't imagine that the God of grace. And again, I you know me if I, if you listen to anything I do, especially in evangelism, I. I preach the wrath of God and holiness of God, and I understand that, but if somebody doesn't willfully rebel against them, I can't imagine they get judged uh, where they, they don't even come to a point where you don't even, you don't even get old enough to realize you're alive, and then you're in, and you end up in hell. I just, to me, and again, the only biblical the scriptures are the uh, authority, and then what I just said about Bathsheba and uh, David's baby is about the only thing there. And uh, so you got it. You do kind of have to speculate some. And uh, so that would be where I go with that. I, I believe that God shows grace to people who do not come to the condition where they are even aware they're alive. Okay. Well, I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on that because it's a controversial issue. And usually I like to spend more time dealing with that. And I'm going to deal with it. But it kind of flowed off of that topic that we're talking about. All right, then the second way I want to talk about natural sin versus willful sin is that of a believer, okay? So when a believer becomes saved, they are obviously indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And now, before you're a believer, before anybody's saved, you can do absolutely nothing righteous. Not one act that you ever do is anything but sin. And a lot of times when I say that, people will go, well, what? What are you talking about? You, I see people who are not Christians do kind things all the time. And my answer is, yes, outwardly, externally, they are. But God, for an act to be not sin, the motive has to be right, too. And so anything that an unbeliever does, while in rebellion against their maker, they do for their own glory, which is prideful, which is sin. So anything they do, they do would have would be tainted by sin. And again, anything they do, even if it helps out somebody, would be done for their own glory, and probably, even, possibly, even to propagate their rejection and rebellion against God. And so, but obviously, it, it it's better for an unbeliever to do a righteous thing for their own glory than it would be to do murder or do something that would be horrifically to hurt other people as well. And there is Bibles all over the place clear about that you don't want to be in hell, period, but there's, there's, there is degrees of uh, torment and punishment because of, of the sins that you do. 
So if you do worse sins, it'll be worse in hell. But like I said, the person who is in hell with the least amount of sins is still in hell and it still never ends. And it's still, I'm sure, incredibly horrible. But but the point I'm trying to make is that before someone gets saved, the motivation, even the, and most of the time the acts are not good anyway. There might be some, like I said, some external good. But usually that pride just opens the door to more immorality and other sins that you're doing behind closed doors. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy is what it's called. Uh, and so, but a believer, so that's all, an unbeliever can only do wicked. And a believer, though, with the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, can now, by his, by his presence and power, do righteous acts. That is to say, they do things for the glory of Christ. For the glory of the true and living God, which you cannot do anything. I don't care what religion you're in. The Bible is very clear that if you deny the Son, if you deny that Jesus Christ is God, you don't have any God. You don't have the true God. You don't have the Father. you got to have the Son in order to have the Father. And so if you're born again, you do have the Son. You have the Spirit. And so you're, you, when you do things, you have the potential, and you should. We should, Christians, seek to do things for the glory of God. Everything we, should, we do, we should. And so we can do a good deed and help somebody, but we'd actually do it not for our own glory, but for the glory of God. And so, but my point I'm trying to deal with with the natural sin versus willful sin is believers, although indwelled by the Holy Spirit, still, we are still attached to unredeemed flesh. And so... So we have the, the flesh pulls against the spirit. So there's like an inner war going on now. The struggle, the, the mark of a Christian is the struggle against sin, not the absence of it, because we still sin, but we don't like it, and we push against it, and we and we try and you know do everything we can by God's will and grace to sin less and less. But we always are going to have until we get our glorified body, unredeemed flesh that pulls us towards sin. And so you have these impulses all day from the flesh, and not to mention demonic temptation. I'm not going to mention that here, but that's, that obviously is part of it as well. Where, but I'm talking about the natural, the bent of the unredeemed flesh is still towards sin. Even though you're a new creature inside, you're out, your flesh pulls against that. And so you have these, these your, your flesh just wants to do prideful, lustful, greedy you know, you name the sin, it just goes that way, left unchecked. And so that's why the Bible calls Christians to be alert, sober-minded, prayerful, in Scripture, you know, all the commands, you know, the armor of God to protect yourself from not only demonic temptation, which is real, but also probably even more your own, your own self, your own flesh, because it, drifts, it goes towards that way. And so you have these natural... Impulses towards sin. They're, they're what I call they're not sin. I'm not. I never say that temptation is sin, because it's not. Because as we know, Jesus Christ was tempted and did not sin. And so the impulses are not sin. But so I kind of maybe worded that wrong. It's not natural sin versus willful sin when it comes to the believer, but it is the natural impulse to go that way. And then what our job is. As believers, by the will, by the power of God, and depending on Him and His grace and His 
means is to fight against acting on those impulses. And so, and it's, again, there's no, no Christian that goes probably five seconds without having some kind of a willful thought that goes awry, but it's kind of hard to separate between just an impulse of the flesh and and you know the difference. You know when you're when you got something, your flesh goes one way, and you're like, you you go from you go from thinking I shouldn't do that to, and so you don't do it. So that would be like a natural impulse that you deny, which is a good thing. But when you willfully sin, you go from you you get that impulse or a temptation, and you and you know you shouldn't do it, and then you still do it anyway. As a Christian, as an unbeliever, that's what you that's all you'll do. You're just you're just a slave to your own self, and you're a slave to sin, and you're a slave to demons, and you're a slave to Satan, and you're a slave to everything. So you're just that's all the time what happens. But a believer has the tools, mainly the I don't want to call him a tool, but the true the true living God in the person of the Holy Spirit lives within us. And so greater is He who lives in us, or is in His side of us, and who is in the world. That's saying the Holy Spirit is greater than any demonic temptation, greater than our flesh, greater than anything. And so our job is, when we have those impulses and temptations to sin by the flesh, is to deny that, to deny that, and to fight that. And we can, but again, you have to you have to depend on God to do that. But, so, you, you know, I think a lot of people, or at least some people, and I've done this at times in my life where you just, you're so aware of all these impulses and things that you just are constantly uh, scrutinizing what you're doing, thinking and everything else, and you can go overboard. Because your, your flesh is going to naturally do that every day. And so you've, but you, our job is, is to war against it. Not to feel bad about having the natural impulses or the temptations, because we will be tempted. You can't avoid temptation. And temptation, like I said, is not a sin. Giving in to temptation willfully is a sin. And there may be even some times where something you're not sure about. There's a lot of liberty things. And that changes over time. <laughs> Usually, as a Christian, the longer you're a Christian, you will be, your liberty will go down and more down and down because you'll, you'll start to realize there's so much stuff in your life that you don't need anyway. It's just kind of a waste of energy and time. And so it may not be necessarily uh, sinful, but it's something that's just distractive. It's those things that uh, Paul calls us just to, uh, to lighten our load so we have less weight. And so so over time, you know, the things that you want to do as a Christian that would be worldly or the other things usually go down. They should go down. Uh, sanctification should be progressive. Uh, yet what we're talking about here is you're always going to be battling. You'll, the, the war will not end with your flesh until we're glorified. And so there's no reason to feel guilty about the war. There's no reason to feel guilty about temptation or that. It's just the, it's when you get, when you give into it is when you should repent. And so there's that natural impulse of the flesh versus the willful giving in to those impulses. And that uh, makes all the difference in the world. Because um, if you willfully sin against God as a Christian, there are consequences. You don't, you don't lose your salvation. You don't lose, um, you don't lose anything. I mean, you, what you, what happens is, for for the Christian, there's not eternal damnation or punishment for willful sin, but there are consequences for willful sin. Just because you're a Christian and you're saved from the eternal damnation of willful sin, 
the consequences of willful sin happen now, here and now, and they will. Matter of fact, he might increase it for a believer over an unbeliever because he wants the unbeliever, he wants to he wants to make sure the believer learns a lesson here and now. The unbeliever will pay their full price later. And so willful sin has consequences for the Christian, and willful sin has, um, and, and if you do it long enough, you'll get chastened. He'll, he'll just bring you under divine chastening, and I've been there. I've been, I went to, as anybody knows who's listened to anything I've done, I went into a pretty prolonged backslide of about two years, and then it took about a year and a half of divine chastening to, uh, for me to learn my lesson. And it was about the worst two years of my life. Because you can't hide from his chastening. Nobody can protect you. There's nobody. There's, no, there's nowhere to run. And I knew it was coming. And when it started to come, I wasn't even surprised. That's how backslidden I was. I knew I was backslidden. And I knew I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And so when it started to hit, I did, of course, what you don't do when you when you get into a prolonged backslide. You don't immediately repent because you're so bound up in the stuff again that it's it's not something you just throw off. It takes time to unwind all that again. And uh, only by His grace does that happen. So, and so that's that's the two reasons you don't want to willfully sin as a Christian is there are temporal consequences, and you just you don't you're not useful to Him. Nothing, nothing good spiritually will happen around you if you're just constantly willfully sinning. And also, like I said, if you do it long enough, you will be chastened. You will become you'll come under His divine chastening. And there's nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse than that. So I hope this has been helpful and. Uh, until next time, this is Crosscut Maker Radio Show number 19, where we do everything here to the praise, honor, and glory of the true and living triune God. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.